The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check our additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito. Well, good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Today we have a very special guest, Gary Hirschberg. He is the chairman and the CEO of Stonyfield Farms. Yes, no, you did not mishear me. It was CEO, not CEO. Um, Stonyfield is the third largest yogurt company in America. It's also the world's leading organic yogurt producer. He's also author of Stirring It Up, How to Make Money and Save the World. Gary, welcome to the show. Thanks, Cheryl. Happy to be with you. It's great to have you here today. Now, where are you today? I'm sitting in uh, Concord, New Hampshire. The foliage is gorgeous right now. Oh, One of those radiant fall days here. Oh, fantastic. I have experienced some of those mm-hmm. New Hampshire days. They are brilliant. Um, we live all year for this. I bet you do. I bet you do. So we're going to talk a little bit about um, life in New Hampshire and you know, why that fits so well for you and for the company. But let's start with you as a young person. You know, mm. you have spent a lot of years committed to the ideas of sustainability and organic foods and, you know, making the world a better place. And I'm always curious, you know, what what creates that in a young person? What experiences did you have as a child that put you on this path? Yeah. Well, I'm just to uh, interest of full disclosure, I'm 56 years old. I've been working on these issues, these sustainability issues, for 33 years or about three-fifths of my life. Uh, but as you say, I kind of got, ni- got the bug uh, very young and, and much younger than I actually realized for a long time. Mm. Uh, because I grew up here in southern New Hampshire, which I think you know, Cheryl, and some of your listeners will as well, that you know, this was once a very rural, very agricultural state. And certainly through my childhood, uh, it was that's exactly the way it was. We got our eggs from a local farm. We got our chicken. We would go down and pick out the turkey for Thanksgiving and, and so forth. And, and this was the way life was. Um, but in my lifetime, it's become very suburbanized. Um, very much uh, of a commuting area to uh, based around Boston, and of course, there's been an uh, in, in microcosm here. We've been not immune to the trend going on across the country, where in my lifetime, you know, over a million uh, family farmers have actually gone into uh, extinction. Um, at the same time, we watched in my childhood uh, air that was clean become dirty. Uh, views, for example, I grew up as a ski racer. Um, on the top of Mount Washington, where we had a race every spring, one could see the Atlantic Ocean on a clear day, and right. that view became obscured by the time I was around 20, and oh. n- no one's ever seen that view ever since, because we're downwind from everything, uh, you know, all the all the smog and so forth on the eastern seaboard, and example after example of watching the, the environment really get absolutely reshaped before my eyes, and I, I guess I... As a child, I, I I thought business was the source of all of these problems, and hmm. um, so I went off to college to go the exact opposite direction of business. I got into environmental studies, climate change in particular. This is, of course, back in the 70s before a lot of people were thinking about right. this stuff, but I was lucky enough to get exposed to some professors who were looking seriously at the, the, the sort of flawed path and it, that we as a species had evolved down, and terms of our relationship to nature and the planet and and so um uh but over time in the years that followed college i came to realize the power of commerce not just to do bad but also potentially to do good and and that's what really led me ultimately to start this company with uh, samuel Kamen. 
Well, so when you you met Samuel, tell us a little bit about you know how you two came to make this choice. Sure. Well, I, I was running um, when I left college. I, I had been studying climate change, as I mentioned, and I, I I I realized that I had sort of a fork in the road. I could continue to understand the problem more by further and deeper studies into climatology and ecology, or I could start to work on the solutions. And this was, you know, the early 70s, and, mm-hmm. and I was a child of the 60s, and so the solutions were a whole lot more appealing to me. <laughs> so I went to work at an ecological research institute on Cape Cod called the New Alchemy Institute, which was advancing um, some really uh, very um, thoughtful and, and science-based solutions for uh, food production, waste treatment, uh, energy production, basically a lot of the stuff that we're now talking about in terms of sustainability, right. entirely solar-powered, year-round food, very intensive food systems that could feed a lot of people with no fossil fuels being burned, no mm-hmm. pesticides, etc. Uh, Samuel had started here in New Hampshire. By the way, that institute was on Cape Cod. Right. Um, Samuel had started here in New Hampshire a similar but smaller organization called the Rural Education Center, which was an organic farming school. And he recruited me. Actually, I was a windmill builder, truth be told, and he, he invited me up to his farm to see if we could build a windmill there. I uh-huh. pointed out to him that, you know, there were a lot of trees around, and unless he was prepared <laughs> to cut all those trees down, we didn't. I didn't think it was a great site. But one thing led to another. I wound up joining his board of directors, and and when the Reagan revolution took place and funding for organic agriculture and renewable energy and all the things we both were working on at our respected nonprofits, when that, those funds were all cut, uh, as a trustee, I set about trying to help him do what we were trying to do down in the Cape, which is to come up with some means of self-support. And Samuel used to feed us at our board meetings. Uh, he had, at that point, one cow, but he used to make this absolutely incredible, creamy, delicious whole milk yogurt, which we would gobble. It was really, I think, how we were paid for our board service. <laughs> but we, um, one day, one of us, and I'm, uh, we blame the other, but ultimately I think he was the guy, uh, said, look, let's, um, why don't we start selling this yogurt to fund this little school? Oh, and that was really the idea. We just, we, we grew our herd up to a whopping seven cows and, Samuel borrowed uh, $35,000 from actually some Catholic nuns and a couple of socially responsible <laughs> investors, and uh, and we launched this thing initially as as part of this nonprofit, but eventually, very soon, I joined him immediately after the opening, and and very soon after, we realized that you know there there was a real business here, but we also were going to need to bring in real investment capital, so we converted it from a nonprofit to a for-profit, although. Truth be told, it was eight years before we made real profits. But oh, wow. nevertheless, we grew our herd up to 19 cows. Uh, eventually, figured out that we didn't need to milk and make the yogurt. We could buy our milk from deserving local farmers. And you know, today we buy from 1,850 uh, organic family farmers across the country through the uh, Organic Valley Cooperative. Oh, that's fantastic. Yeah, as I hear you say that Samuel borrowed money from a group of Catholic nuns, it, that absolutely is so counter what people would think about where do you go to get money. <laughs> you know? Well, they were the original venture capitalists, you know. <laughs> they, they actually, they, they were called the Sisters of Mercy, and I think mercy was probably the appropriate word. I think they took pity on these poor, crazy yogurt makers. But they, in all seriousness, they were they, they, they saw what many of us have come to see, that you know the, the the sort of modern economic paradigm uh, is broken. It's it's you know the rich are getting richer and the poor are getting poorer poorer. And in this case, family farmers were being thoroughly uh, left behind as as uh, as an almost an endangered species. And they saw this as uh, what what we now commonly refer to as community economic development, a, a, a way of moving their uh, excess, the monies that they had accrued um, over many decades to help uh, launch uh, some new economic initiatives that might help out, uh, help create a new model for how to support family farmers. And you know what? They were right. That's exactly what we've done. Interesting. But you didn't always buy your products from local farmers, right, because there weren't that many. Well, uh, you know, I often joke about our business at the early days that we had a great company. We just had no supply and no demand. 
<laughs> you know, seriously, uh, there weren't too many people out there thinking yogurt, let alone right. organic yogurt. In fact, nobody knew what we meant by that. Uh, so, yes, it was hard to get it organic, and that's why in the very earliest days we wound up uh, having uh, natural yogurt, not organic. Uh, we just simply couldn't find the supply. Um, when the synthetic growth hormones um, fights came on in the in the in the um, 90s, we were the first dairy in America to pay farmers not to use it because we knew right away it was that didn't make any sense. Um, and um, frankly, not unlike the Alar scare of the uh, 70s, uh, what what that did for organic produce, uh, the synthetic growth hormone make. Monsanto getting that legalized um, and the federal government uh, okaying it really was a huge boost for organic dairy. And and so it was around the middle 90s that we began to get um, farmers coming to us saying, you know, we could do this organically. We started working initially with one farmer in Vermont, a guy named Peter Flint. Um, But as I say, eventually partnered up with uh, what is now the largest organic uh, dairy cooperative in the world uh, based out of Wisconsin, but with with farms all across the country. So this economic model that you're looking at, you know, creating more of the community-level economics, um, you know, it sounds wonderful, and clearly you are making it work. How do large organizations move toward this? You know, I mean, it sounds to me more like it's something that would work with entrepreneurial organizations, small organizations, high-touch organizations. Um, and then I, I consider something like, you know, well, let's just take something like a Coca-Cola. You know, I mean, yeah. how in the world would they do something like that? Well, it's a, I think, uh, by the way, that's exactly uh, the question, and, and it's exactly what I spend uh, 80 to 90% of my time on. Um, because it, cause I, 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 I would say that we – that businesses of the largest scale must make this kind of shift uh, when you consider the um, magnitude of some of the social and environmental and health problems we're facing. Think of climate change. Think of the toxicity of our air, water, and soil. And look at the, look at the results. Think, think of the obesity, or, epidem- uh, obesity or, or diabetes or cancer epidemics in our country. Right. And you realize when, whatever these issues are, whatever the problem is, there's a kind of a common thread, which is that we've, as I say, we've kind of gone into a cul-de-sac. I don't think it's a dead end in terms of some really fundamental myths about building our economy. There's the myths that the earth is a subsidiary of our economics, the, the myth that we can just feed ourselves all this junk and it's all going to be fine. Right. And so um, the very simple answer to your question is that um, what we set out to do 27 years ago was to prove that it was possible for a business to be part of the solution, that is to have everybody win, the farmers, the animals, the consumers, and the stockholders and employees and customers. But also, um, as we began to prove it, that it was that we could pay farmers fairly, that we could treat animals well, we could produce a healthier, better food. Our next phase, which we've spent the last 20 years on, is to prove that this is actually, you make more money this way. And I I can now prove that, whether it's Coke or, or uh, you know, any of the largest food mm-hmm. companies or even service companies, that mm-hmm. fundamentally when you stop exporting your dollars out for non-renewable resources, in other words, for oil, and you start to conserve and start to adapt to renewables, um, you get very, very quick paybacks, much quicker than continuing to be dependent on a broken paradigm. When you invest in your people and you invest in making better products that are better for them, you actually get something, the holy grail of, of management and of consumer products, which is loyalty. Hmm. Um, and what we've done and what my book really gets into is, is uh, we've shown hundreds and hundreds of examples from our engineering to our product development and design to our marketing to how we uh, incent employees to commute differently to the food that we serve on our premises. All of these uh, have become examples, and, and certainly while some are very specific to a yogurt company, most are generic to any kind of business, and we've been able to show uh, that we can absolutely drastically reduce the inefficiencies in our businesses, the outflow of dollars for inflationary and unnecessary 
um, uh, costs, uh, but we've also shown that we can create new sources of revenue. So the, the, the classic example is, you know, we just went through a national debate about health care, so-called debate. Mm-hmm. But did you ever hear the word preventative used once no. in that entire debate? No. You know, and it's, we're focused on the wrong end of the equation. We're focused on on what we do when we get sick, but the the least, the most efficient health care is to avoid getting sick in the first place. Right. And that's right. where organics comes in. Um, and, and, you know, I could give you loads and loads of examples, but the point is is that um, the big companies are looking. Uh, that's why if you look in the organic foods business, you'll see these huge companies now acquiring their way and buying up little companies. And mm-hmm. I, I assure you it isn't because they read my book. Um, you know, it's because they see where the tide is going. I have yet to meet the consumer who says, no, Gary, uh, you know, please send me the yogurt with more synthetic growth hormones. Yeah. You know, give yeah. me a double dose of pesticides, please. Yeah. Yeah. People want to do the right thing, and, and companies are figuring out that if they do that, they get that holy grail. They get loyalty with a lot less um, advertising and, and a lot less selling expense needed. So... Let's say on that thread of corporate and social responsibility, it is such a um, enormous challenge that exists. How is it that you stay optimistic about the possibility that this can happen? Well, again, um, so on the one hand, if you take a snapshot, as we all do, anytime you open a newspaper or turn on CNN or Fox, mm-hmm. and you realize, my gosh, have we got problems of a ma- of a major scale? You know, the president's cancer panel this summer announced that 42% of Americans are going to ha- have cancer. That number is up 100% over only a decade ago. It's obviously a trend trend line. So you can, you know, throw yourself, you know, put your head in the mud and say, I just don't want to see her here anymore. Mm-hmm. Or you can see it, as most entrepreneurs do, certainly as I do, as an opportunity. And so when you see a trend like that and you realize, gee, almost half of Americans are going to get sick, if I could prevent them from getting sick, that could be a, an enormous, enormous commercial opportunity. Yeah. And this is what I'm seeing, whether it's renewable energy or, um, or conservation technologies or uh, advanced, advances in organic uh, Agriculture. I'm seeing companies recognizing that the old way, you know, clean coal, for example, is a nice idea, but it doesn't exist. Right. And and the amount of sunlight that strikes the U.S. in an hour is equivalent to our would could meet all of our energy needs for an entire year. So this is why you're suddenly seeing. Unfortunately, I have to say, we're seeing more of this from abroad. We're seeing other countries make far greater leaps and strides on renewables than we have been making in, in recent years. But, but nevertheless, you're seeing a kind of an explosion in these areas. And really, you know, preventative health care, I mean, when you look at 42% of Americans who are going to get cancer, that's going to bankrupt our okay. system. So not only right. do we have opportunity to address, to be more effective through preventative care, but we also have an absolute, you know, social mandate here that we societal mandate if america is going to remain strong to 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 get on with it and and so what i in my speaking which is pretty regular i'm giving two and three speeches a week i'm often i'm no longer surprised finding myself speaking to the the management of uh, you know enormous uh, as my daughter says ginormous uh, companies um you know i've been down at Walmart at their headquarters. I've I've been at Google. I've been at some of the, you know, the big names out there, because they're they recognize at least sophisticated folks out there recognize um, that uh, that it's time for new solutions, and and with those new solutions come opportunities. So, the the the, the, the very simplest way to explain this is um, when and I'll give you a quick example. Is we had to build a waste treatment plant about eight years ago at Stonyfield. We had exceeded the capacity of our local treatment system. If I had followed the traditional old approach, which is that we believe we have this myth that the solution to pollution is dilution, you know, take your biological waste, in my case, dairy waste, add it to water, oxygenate it, agitate it, and send it to another myth, that mythological place called Away, where we send all of our waste, um, I discovered I, was, I would have wound up sending a truckload of sludge every single week through this traditional old system. 
because in the mythological days of old, we just didn't think about that place. We just assumed there was always a place called Away. Right. We instead built an anaerobic facility. We didn't want to be net exporters of sludge. It was funny. We're in New Hampshire. I talked to the local authorities. They said, where would I send this sludge, by the way? They said, oh, it's very easy. You send it to Vermont. Now, that was sort of their definition of away, and I was imagining Ben and Jerry's having the same conversation, sending it to New Hampshire. So we didn't want to be a net exporter of sludge. We didn't want to buy into that old paradigm. So we built an anaerobic facility. It produces gas that we use to actually operate the facility. So it decreases our use of energy, decreased our labor, decreased our water, and we produce a truckload of sludge about once every three years instead of once a week. And the punchline, though, um, is that it actually made us money almost instantly. In fact, the, while it cost a little bit more than the traditional system, um, that cost was amortized within the first year and a half. And ever since then, I've been making money off of this plant. It produces energy for me. And so I've turned a, 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 you know, a way of treating waste into a, a source of energy. And, and again, there's hundreds of these examples out there where when you sort of use some common sense, borrow from nature, change the rules, think a little bit differently. Why should we put poisons in our air, water, and soil, make ourselves sick, kill off species, when in fact, as, as all 1,850 of our dairy farmers and that many hundreds of other suppliers of ours have proven, they can build their topsoils, improve their biodiversity, decrease their dependence on fossil fuels, pesticides, and ultimately increase their yields and make more money. And, and I don't have a single farmer of the several of the thousand, uh, s several thousand that we support, who a are not making money, mm -hmm. and b um, aren't getting higher and higher increased yields over what they were doing conventional. And well, you can't Gary, say you... that about conventional farming. Right. And we have more to talk about with Gary Hirschberg when we come right back. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. If you think you've seen online TV before, let us surprise you. VoiceAmerica.tv is online now. The leader in live Internet talk radio has done it again. Multiple channels, a state-of-the-art viewing experience, live and on-demand programs streaming 24 hours a day. It's exactly what you want, when you want it. VoiceAmerica.tv. From health and wellness to business, sports, and everything in between. Discover our new world. Visit VoiceAmerica.tv now and experience the future of online television. VoiceAmerica.tv. You want to know the inside scoop on how today's leaders do business? How they hire and develop top talent? How do they retain top employees and customers? Tune in to Leadership Leverage on the Voice America Business Channel. Every week, Dr. Robert Denker will offer ideals and facilitate discussion with guests that will help shape today's up-and-coming leaders as well as established leaders in their fields. Listen for Leadership Leverage every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern Time, 2 p.m. Pacific Time on Voice America Business. When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. And welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito. Our guest today, Gary Hirschberg, Chairman, CEO of Stonyfield Farms and author of Stirring It Up, How to Make Money and Save the World. So, Gary, in our last segment, we talked so much about corporate responsibility and how you have really created a shift in the organic farming world and your belief in you know how we really can make huge transformation happen all around the world. 
I'm wondering about leadership. I'm wondering about, you know, what kind of leader is required for transformation to happen? Because that's really what you're talking about. You're talking about transforming the status quo, transforming the tides. I mean, the tides are moving against this, you know. Mm. And so, you know, what what type of leader do you have to be? Well, you know, let, let's let's just lay that let it bear that when you look at the major major threats that we face, and we mm-hmm. talked in your last segment about toxins and resulting cancer rates or water that we've depleted or climate change, the the reality is we don't have another thirty years that I've had mm-hmm. to kind of pioneer this stuff. So, um, I I think what you need at the start, and I see this, I'm, I'm happy to tell you, I really do see this every day from the most surprising quarters, and I'm talking about banking and finance, yes, even Wall Street. Um, you need to see, you need to have the peripheral vision and the openness that maybe we have gone down the wrong path, that, that you need to be able to see what's going on. If, right. if you don't believe climate change is happening right now, I, I have to say, honestly, you're just not paying attention. Mm-hmm. The, the data is unequivocal. This is not something that's debatable. It's um, right. glacial melt and so forth. There's so many indicators, and the indicators have been there for now decades. Um, so what you have to be willing to say is very simply, it is happening, and then look in your heart and say, mm-hmm. do I want to be a part of that? But, but I, again, I need to be sort of blunt with you here, Cheryl. I, I don't think we even have the time for people to kind of go through the moral or ethical mm. internal pursuit that is needed because, right. you know, unfortunately I've come to see as, a, as I've gotten older and grayer that we don't tend to make change until we're feeling pain. Right. And there's a lot of pain coming. You know, when almost half of Americans are going to get cancer, according mm-hmm. to the president's mm-hmm. cancer panel, that's a lot of misery. Right. And so uh, what I do and where I focus is much more narrowly on leaders. I just say, look, let me give me the time of day, be a little bit open to a slightly different point of view, and I'm going to show you you can make more money this way. Mm-hmm. And while that may sound very mercenary, um, you know, after 33 years of working in these areas, I've realized that we, that's what it takes. Um, and, and can I hope? that there's a moral and ethical revolution out there? Absolutely. I I see it every day. You know, Mm -hmm. just a little stat to help you and your listeners understand what I'm talking about. For the first 25 years of our business, the number one reason that people came to organic uh, was having children. You know, you you have a baby and you suddenly look at food differently. You want to protect your, that little one, give it, give him or her a head start. Um, but in the last year, we've seen a shift where the, what used to be the number two reason has now become the number one reason. And I'm sorry to tell you, it's, it, what that reason is, is having a health event. In other words, getting sick or right. somebody in your life getting sick. And that's now right. become, statistically, when you ask the average consumer, why did they try organic foods, that's become the number one reason. So, again, with time, I know that you know, everybody's going to see these kinds of problems and, and will come over. And the happy news is organic's a $26 billion industry now. Right. I couldn't have even said the words industry and organic in the same <laughs> sentence when we right. started. But the sad news is that we're only at about 4% of total food. I have no question that we'll be over 50% organic food in my lifetime. And, and by the way, we were over 100%. <laughs> we were at 100% in my grandparents' lifetime. But 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 the mm-hmm. thing is, we've got to really expedite it because with organics, you're reducing the toxicity, you're improving health, you're reducing carbon footprint, you're putting carbon into the soil, you're cleaning up the waterways, etc. And so, because I deal in commerce and I deal with the largest grocers and the largest um, food manufacturers, uh, though I I hope for a moral sense, I hope to touch people's hearts with these data. Um, I also am perfectly happy to just say, look, you'll make more money this way, and let me just show mm-hmm. you how. Mm-hmm. So there's an argument that uh, may or may not be true, um, that the, the consumer tends to believe that organics cost more money, and um, your typical middle-class 
um, budget apparently does not account for that. You know, we can't afford that kind of, you hear that a lot, we can't afford that. And so, you know, I mean, so how do you get people, so you've got one level where you're trying to get companies to see they can actually, you know, make a profit doing this, and you've got another level where you've got the consumer who is saying, well, I can't afford to do that, you know, right. it's easier to take my kids to McDonald's. Right. So, you know, I mean, how do you help them understand this? Well, and, I'll, and I'm going to back you up on your question and tell you that you really, in the end, only have one level. It's, the, it's all about the consumer, mm. and I want to come back to that because at the end of the day, your listeners and I and you need to understand we have the power to make the change. When we, when we run items past the supermarket scanner, we're voting. Right. And while we're all focused and obsessed with these elections that happen every two or four years, we're voting every single day. And believe me, right. corporate America tallies those votes. But let me, let me come to the heart of your question. You know, the, you're, you're absolutely right. There's the, and, and the reason organic is only 4% is exactly the reason you mentioned, is that it tends to be more expensive. And, and, and what we need to understand is a couple of things about that. First of all, the so-called cheap food that we're getting out there really isn't cheap. If it's making you sick, you're paying right. for it somewhere. Right. You may not be paying for it when you run it up at the cash register, but you're going to pay for it by getting sicker, by having higher and higher health costs. Mm-hmm. And all you have to do is look at, you know, the, l- here's one stat. One in three children born after 2000 is going to be diabetic now, type 2 diabetic. That is unbelievable. That is a staggering statistic. You're right, and it's and and the staggering impact on our national economy is 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 devastating. So that is something you know we have to address it. We've got to eat less garbage. We've got to you know improve the protein and cut down on the carbs. And and so you know I could give you that kind of statistic with basically every illness out there. We have an obesity epidemic. We have childhood cancer epidemics. So we are paying for these costs somewhere. That's one point. The second is that our modern food system in the, in the current economy, Americans, every one of us as taxpayers, we subsidize um, the, uh, the conventional commodities. So we're not even playing on a level playing field. There are no subsidies of organic products, but corn, soy, sugar, milk are, are all receiving subsidies because special interests, have established themselves in our nation's capital and are there to preserve their status quo. And until we have a revision of those policies, and again, this is where we all need to vote and we need to speak up about this, mm-hmm. until we have a farm bill that gets rid of the subsidies, we're not looking for subsidies in organic, we won't have a level playing field. Right. But the third and most important and hopeful point I want to mention here is that the number one way that we can reduce that premium of expensive organic over cheap conventional. I'm, I'm saying reduce it, not eliminate it, because, again, you can't fake good food. Right. You know, modified food starch and gelatins and, you know, dyes are all very cheap. But the number one way we can drive, we can close that gap, and we're proving it at Stonyfield every day, is with more and more sales, more and more volume. When we, when we 10 years ago, when we started buying organic sugar on a mass scale, on a large scale, it was 100% more expensive than conventional. Today, right now, it's the exact same price. And that's because our farmers are becoming more and more efficient with higher volumes. Hmm. Their inputs are going down. They're not using chemicals that are expensive, and they're not bringing in chemical fertilizers. And they're also getting higher and higher yields because they've improved their topsoils. And we see that with every one of our commodities. So when you buy an organic food item, maybe you can't change your entire shopping basket. But when you buy one thing today, you're making a difference. Because if every single American went out today and bought one organic apple or one organic yogurt or one organic juice, um, even if the rest of their shopping basket is, you know, not changed, uh, believe me, that would be a blip that would be read by every major corporation out there as they would then make more organics available, the overall cost of organics would, uh, would go down. Right. And I see this every single day. It sounds, you know, hopeful, but it isn't. I'm just sharing with you the, the real experiences we have. As every one of our commodities, you know, we found more and more efficiencies. And, and so we really all, instead of seeing ourselves as the victims of whatever business and 
supermarkets offer, we really in the, have to see ourselves in the driver's seats. And when we do that, then, um, you know, farmers are smart, business people, good business people are smart. They'll, they'll deliver what we're asking for. Mm-hmm. Well, when you look at organizations like Whole Foods, which is run by John Mackey, and the, the amount of time that they've spent building this organization and how successful it has been, focused on good, healthy, and some organic foods, um, largely organic foods. Uh, and what what's the market research says is that um, people who shop there know it's more expensive than other places to go, like some of your typical chains. And one of the things that's different about that shopper than in many other um, grocery stores is that the shopper in Whole Foods does not look at the price when they pick up the product. Well, let me say a couple things about that. First of all, Whole Foods deserves all the credit you just gave them. I, I, I see Whole Foods as an educational institution masking, mm-hmm. masquerading as a <laughs> grocer, okay? I think they've really had a, just a, an enormous impact on the way we do business in this country, and I obviously am a fan as well as obviously a supplier. Um, but the reality is, is that uh, what they, what we've been able to do, and, and is is uh, the, the 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 price range offered at Whole Foods today is far more diverse than it was mm. ten or twenty years ago, because there's right. more suppliers out there. Right. So there actually is a, a wide range. There's private label organic that's more affordable. You then look beyond Whole Foods doors, and you look to a Walmart, for example, yeah. or look to. Um, some of the leading grocers in this country, and you're starting to see organics being made available at, um, you know, far more reasonable prices. Uh, and again, that's make that's my point is that with more demand has come more supply, and with mm-hmm. more supply has come more choice. Mm-hmm. Um, this year, Stonyfield, we we one of the things I, I really deeply believe is that, you know, the sicknesses that we're getting as adults really stem from how we were eating as children. And so what we've really got to do, and Michelle Obama has obviously been using her bully pulpit to talk about this, we've really got to change the food in schools, which is right. you know, a nightmare. And, and no place is, is more cash-constrained than our schools. So um, this year, uh, we've been trying to get organic yogurts into schools all across the country for years, but we just couldn't meet their pricing requirements. This year, because of our volumes, because we're now a $360 million company, you know, with, with, with a lot more volume, a lot more control over our destiny we took our six packs of yogurt and we turned them into 48 packs and in so doing we reduced the amount of packaging and increased the efficiency of our transportation hmm. and now we're able to sell six ounce uh, i'm sorry um uh, uh four ounce yogurts to schools at exactly the same price as the uh, conventional counterparts literally the same price as some of the leading brands in this country that are not organic and so, of course, wouldn't you know it, we're opening up all kinds of schools now because any any nutritionist in a school, any PTO knows if they can get it organic, right. you know, of course they're going to. So, right, right. But this, this, again, I just have to drive this home to your, your starting premise. This all is made possible because of how more and more consumers are shopping. When, when, when we exercise that vote, we create opportunity, and then, you know, business finds a way of filling it. Right. Well, and you really stepped up to fill the need in the marketplace, as you said, with the schools and to make it easy for them. You know, and that, of course, anybody who provides a service or a product needs to focus on how do I make it easy for the consumer or the client to buy or use my product. And you definitely. It it is, in fact, exactly as simple as that. Yeah. (laughs) Well, we have more to talk about. We have more to talk about. We're going to take a break, and we'll be right back with Gary Hirschberg. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. 
Leadership is not static. It evolves as you do. At Alexa Consulting, we work with CEOs, senior leaders, and leaders in transition who want to make a difference. Leaders who believe that good business is good for people, good for the world, and knows that conscious actions can have global impact. Are you ready to take your leadership to the next level? If you are, then visit our website at www.alexaconsulting.com. That's www.alexasaconsulting.com. Alexa Consulting, developing leaders worldwide. There's a course offered on 7th Wave Network that you never saw offered in college. One that provides information on how to transform ancient wisdom teachings into everyday life. You'll learn how to create from your spirit and explore the world with all of your senses. Participation is encouraged. Enroll in Spirituality 101, the course you can't afford to miss with your host, Reverend Norma. Class is in session every Friday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, 12 noon Pacific Time, in your favorite classroom, 7th Wave Network. The business community's first choice in Internet Talk Radio, Voice America Business Network. We appreciate you joining our leading conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl. Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with our guest, Gary Hirschberg. So, Gary, we have um, really run the gamut of how you have started this business, your passion around this business, um, some of the responsibilities that we as consumers have to take. You know, it it sounds to me like you have actually created uh, a different economic model, a different financial model for uh, businesses. Can you speak to that? Yeah, absolutely. I, it's a, uh, I think it's dead on. What, you know, the traditional model of consumer products is to make stuff as cheap as you possibly can. So think of Coke or Pepsi, mm-hmm. who, um, sugar, water, corn syrup, solids, nothing cheaper than those ingredients. Right. And then you take a big margin and you use it to buy a bunch of advertising to blast the consumer with a lot of reach and frequency. And the, the, what you're hoping is that they'll try it, then they'll try it again, then they'll buy it repeatedly, and then hopefully they'll eventually become loyal. Mm. And the problem is when you want to make something that's actually good for people, you can't start with it being cheap. You, there's no way to fake quality, to fake health. You've got to actually pay for real nutrition, real protein, real, uh, uh, real health. And so what we've discovered at Stonyfield is we can start with something more expensive, paying the farmers properly for their milk or their sugar or their cocoa or their fruit. And instead of making it super cheap, we actually make it better. But what happens is when you build it, they come. And so you get all the way to loyalty without having to go through all those other steps. I don't have to spend as much on advertising because what ends up happening with loyalty is you get word of mouth. And I'll tell you a very quick story to illustrate it. I was standing in Florida about two years ago holding a competitor's yogurt, and a lady came up and tugged me on the elbow and said, young man, someone your age really should eat the Stonyfield instead. <laughs> and, and I asked her why. It was, of course, an amazing experience for me to have somebody telling me to eat my own product. Um, she said, you know, my husband, well, she, 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 she said, do you know that they're the first dairy in America to pay farmers not to use synthetic growth hormone, that they offset their emissions from their manufacturing, that they give 10% of their profits to environmental causes. She, wow. she went on and on. And I, I said, you know, how do you know this, Mom? No, I'm joking. It wasn't Mom. But, <laughs> and she said, you know, to be honest, my husband died six months ago of colon cancer, and I have grandchildren, and the girls and I, she was referring to her bridge club, we want to stick around for our grandchildren and watch them graduate and get married and have children. Mm. And so we're reading the labels. Of these companies, we're going to their websites and we're learning who does the right stuff, and that's I think what's going on in America. You know, we people want to know where their food comes from. They want it to be authentic. They want it to be truthful. They want it to be not just not bad for them. They want it to be good for them. Mm-hmm. And so I implore. I think the model that we've evolved here is make it better, and they'll come. Not everyone all at once. I already told you, we're all, you know, Stonyfield is 8% of the U.S. market. Organics is 4% of total food. But, you know, that's, that's billions and billions and billions that weren't here before, and there's no question that we're going in the right direction. Make it better first. People will come to you with more and more people coming. 
you'll get more and more efficiencies, you'll get those costs down, and in the long run, you'll not only produce something a lot better, but you'll sleep a whole lot better at night knowing you're part of the solutions to the world's problems and not continuing with the problems. How many employees do you have, Stonyfield? Uh, we're at 486 right now. So, relatively speaking, that's a small organization. Yes. And you have a lot of um, influence on the culture, uh, the yogurt culture too, but <laughs> <laughs> sorry, um, but the, the culture of the organization. And um, are, do you have any concern about growing bigger and you know how that may affect the organization and the product? Um, not at all. In fact, um, I have a sense of great urgency that we not only need to grow bigger, but also influence the biggest companies that are out there. Mm-hmm. Um, because really, we don't have the time. I go all the way back to our first segment together and tell you that when you look at the really big problems, mm-hmm. we don't have 20 or 30 years to turn them around. Mm-hmm. You know, problems of climate change, obesity, cancer rates, and so on. That's why uh, eight years ago I partnered up with Group Danan, the largest, mm-hmm. uh, the owners of Danan Yogurt and Evian, um, and uh, they they became majority owners of my company. Although they left me with majority control, it's an interesting arrangement. But through mm-hmm. them, we've now launched organic ventures uh, around the world. We've launched in Ireland and France and in Canada. Mm-hmm. Um, last week, Stonyfield announced that we were the first uh, dairy in uh, the world to launch to change over the, some of our packaging, the packaging with our multi-pack cups, to a plant-based plastic made from mm-hmm. corn, not from oil. Mm-hmm. Um, but we did it on a totally open-source basis because we want the Yoplays, the Danons, the Crafts, the, you know, we want the big, big companies to do this. We want to show them how because we need, you know, it's a 48% reduction in carbon footprint. Right. We need these companies to do that. So. I don't have this concern. Um, you know, we're, we're paddling in the right direction. We're doing the right thing. We're able, mm-hmm. frankly, as we get bigger, to provide even more benefits to our employees. We actually launched sabbaticals last year. If you've worked for five years, you get two months of paid sabbaticals. So we're getting better Not, not uh, you know, as we get bigger. It's, it's uh, as I say, the moral imper- imperative here to, to have a much, to really turn this whole ship around, this mm-hmm. whole way that we relate to the planet is is Mm -hmm. far greater, uh, it's worth any risk. Well, and some would have said that when you did partner with Denon that, you know, you were selling out. There was a lot of controversy about that. And, and, you know, what has your experience been? I mean, it sounds like you've continued to be able to do what you want to do. Yeah, and credit where it's due. I mean, the Danan people were very visionary in setting up this deal, and we're starting to see similar arrangements with others of my peers mm-hmm. in the organic world. But, yes, they've absolutely, you know, they, they were, Cheryl, they were bewildered by our business model. They took a look at us. They said, gee, their costs are much higher, their gross margins are much worse, but yet they're making the same amount of money we are as a percentage. Hmm. What are they doing? And, and And they were smart enough to say, let him show us the way. And, and so we've greatly expanded. You know, when we first partnered with them, we were um, a $78 million company. As I just mentioned, we'll, be, we'll do 360 this year, so they're certainly happy. But, um, you know, if I, obviously if, if I didn't perform, if I went the other direction, I'm sure they would, we would be having some serious conversations. But, mm-hmm. but no, they're, they, you know, they recognize what we've been talking about in our discussion today. They recognize that the problems that we're facing in the world are really, really serious, that we need really new solutions. And certainly Stonyfield can contribute to those solutions. They, right. Danan has now adopted globally a, a model of looking at carbon footprint. Every single manager around the world is required. Hmm. You know, I was the first, I, I was, gave the first presentation on carbon footprints to Danan that they ever had seven years hmm. ago. Hmm. And now it's a company-wide practice. So I'm, I'm, I've seen what can happen with large companies flex their muscles, and I, uh, you know, as I say, it's been eight years in this deal, and I'm, I'm, I'm as optimistic now as I've ever been that, that these, are, these companies can be the engines of the kind of change that we want. But, again, it does come back to us, you know, as individuals. Gandhi yeah. said it best. He said, anyone who mm-hmm. thinks they're too small to make a difference has never been in bed with a mosquito. <laughs> and, and that's what we all have to be. We individuals, we have to vote at the at the at the checkout counter and right. for the kind of world we want. And when we do, the big companies will will uh, will follow. Right. Well, and you know, you you said it very well. We have to be the social mandate. 
Um, we can't wait for the social mandate to get created around us. We have to be it. And the um, the statistics, the illnesses, the toxins in the in the ecosystem, etc. All the information is there. The behavior has to change. It's an, it's comes. it's a very very simple. You know, the journey of ten thousand miles begins with one step. You don't have to change everything you purchase. You don't have to revolutionize or devastate your wallet. <laughs> you yeah. just need to start doing a couple of smart things. And when you do, you know, when you eat right, it you start to feel better. When you shop right, the world really starts to move in the right direction. And, again, if 300 million of us could do that just a little bit, we'd nudge things uh, a lot faster than uh, they're going to go there anyways because we cannot continue living the way we've been living right. with. Right. burning fossil fuels, polluting our air, water, and soil, warming the planet, making us sick. But we can get there quicker if everybody uh, uh, does their part. Hmm. I have so many more questions for you, Gary, but we are coming to the end of the show. And I know others will be more interested to, to learn more about you and um, you know how you do things and your book. How can people learn more about that? Well, the book is called Stirring It Up, How to Make Money and Save the World. You can find it most bookstores, certainly on Amazon. And then go to stonyfield.com. Uh, we have uh, our YouTube videos, three-minute videos, from where you can connect to our farmers. And there's all kinds of fun stuff there that will sort of expand on what we've been able to talk about, stonyfield.com. Great. Well, Gary Hirschberg, it's been a pleasure having you here today and a privilege to be speaking to someone who is making transformation a reality on our planet. Thank you, Cheryl. We're going to have to have you back again to answer all those other questions that I have that we didn't get to. (laughs) (laughs) No problem. So be well. And remember, everyone, to think big because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito. Thank you for spending this hour with Cheryl Esposito and Leading Conversations. You can listen live every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Voice America Business Channel. If you have a question or comment for Cheryl, please email her at leadingconversations at alexaconsulting.com. That's L-E-A-D-I-N-G-C-O-N-V-E-R-S-A-T-I-O-N-S at A-L-E-X-S-A-C-O-N-S-U-L-T-I-N-G.com. See you next week. Thanks again for listening to the preceding program brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the preceding program are strictly those of the host or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management.